Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. And there is no Trav. And there is no Josie. <laughs> and there is no Josie because she's with Trav. Uh, welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcast of creating the amazing spell Catastrophe. And you end up with something that's feline and sh- in the shape of a crescent. Crucio! <laughs> Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. This week we are continuing our ongoing quest to create the perfect magic system. And uh, we have some more questions to go over, and between John and I, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe something magical. <laughs> and by that you mean amazing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Bureau 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritech Games at tritechgames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Bureau 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. Yeah, and there could be a system where, okay, I'm a fire mage. I can never learn water, 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 water elemental spells. We are diametrically opposite. Well, that could be true in any of these. I mean, you could that's you could just say, "Hey, if there's a diametrically opposed spell, I can never learn it." So, if I take disintegrate, I'm never going to be able to do any kind of creation magic. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking there may be a a a fourth bullet point here, and this is a, and this is how I run fate games. That is basically you describe what you know in your high concept you describe what area you're special you specialize in, in terms of magic and that can be just a simple i specialize in battle magic and cooking magic you know and okay all right all right and cast 
casting spells is basically describing what you're doing. I mean, that that sounds more like a sorcerer at that point, where you know, where there really isn't a spell. You're just simply describing what you're doing, and then we we'll figure out what the effect is and roll. Does it work? Yes. Okay. Because it basically is because in fate, it's all about causing stress. And in this case, the mechanics have made it simpler to just simply to made it simpler to have spells. They're basically all window dressing to causing stress in somebody. Well, John, what you just said basically falls into all three of these categories. Okay. You didn't actually do, you didn't add another category. You just basically said, this is how I want to describe how, what my spells are. And then you apply this, these restrictions saying, okay, well, you get this, but then you also get all these if you're doing the uh, class spells or you get just this one spell because that's what the, the one, or he says, okay, you can get that, but first you ha have to get these other ones. And that's the one where there's a hierarchy. So you haven't really added anything new there. Yeah, that's um, yeah, true. I mean, yeah, you, 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 you're, yes, I see you're saying. But in this case, there is no big list. I can't go into a book and say, here's what the spell does. No, we work it out right there on the table, what, what you're doing and how well you roll is how much damage it does. I have to use air quotes around that because this is fate and fate's different. But other than that, there's no big list. Now, also in fate is Dresden Files, which does have a big list of spells. So it goes both ways in the game. So <laughs> It just depends on how you want to do that. Yeah. I, 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 like the, I like the more freeform. I call it freeform magic, where basically if you're good at describing things, we can come up with some really great spells. Right. Well, see, you'd like ours Magica because it does have a grammar. So you basically take uh, you take uh, a an effect and you add a uh, a verb to it, and and that's and that tells you how you know it's going to manifest itself. And you might add a couple adverbs like like uh, long or uh, or uh, gr fast or greater or whatever you might want to do. And that somehow and that you know I'm saying you basically say give a, at the end of it you basically say this is what I'm casting. And that's what it is. So according to their according to the way their grammar works out. So and that's essentially what you're saying there with fate. It's kind of following that same idea, but you still have to somehow you know get the ability to cast that spell in the first place. And it's and it's really hard to learn new spells because it really the only since it's written into your aspects. The only way you can do it is is you have to get to a point where you can change the aspect. And that usually happens when you get a major milestone in fate, and that's when you can rewrite your major you rewrite your your high your high aspect. Right. So you know, to me, what you're saying sounds more like the uh, getting a class of spells because basically you're saying this. I'm I'm learning geomancy, and and by the way you describe it with your aspects tells you what effects in that class of spells you're going to be able to pull off. Yeah. Now, to make it more complicated, of course, there are stunts in Fate. So you also can take a couple stunts based on your high aspect, which are, these are things you know how to do really well. Like, you know, you can, you can because you're a culinary magic, you can make a meal for 20 people. And we don't have to roll for it. You just do it. As long as you have a rock, a pot, and some water, you can make a meal for 20 people. <laughs> you know, you know the, old the old stone soup uh, routine. Yeah. But yeah. That's how you know how games are different. You know they 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 buy you know the, these kinds of meta pieces of information. You you go and modify your effects and and I'm like I said we talked about how you know it's great to have a 
Uh, Trav loved the idea that there was like spell mastery where there were certain spells that you just knew. You could just do all you know all day long because you just knew them, and that's essentially what you're talking about. You know, as being a, a stunt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, all right, so I think we've covered uh, on how you gain uh, acquire magic spells. All right, so let's move along to how our spells cast. Hmm. You just wiggle your nose, wiggle your nose. <laughs> Or sometimes you have to take your finger and move it back and forth if you're if you're really young. Actually, I was thinking about that. You know, I was thinking, oh, and I realized, you know what? Okay, in Bewitched, we're talking about Bewitched. It's the old sixty. We're showing our age, Bruce. I kind of watched it on TV time just yesterday and never knew it before. Yeah, but but yeah, but I noticed there were there were things she could do to simply by twitching her nose, and there were spells they had they were ritual spells they had to do, which required them actually talking and speaking and casting. So they had different ways in that and I never realized until till till lately that, oh yeah, they had, oh yeah, these are little cantrips. Bing, bing, just do them. And then there's stuff that takes a bit more magic to do. You know, you need to do a ritual. You need you need components. You, when you turn Durwood into an ass, you have to you have to have certain components. <laughs> or not. You just had to be a powerful like you know El Eldora. Uh, she just would wave her hand and bang, Durwood. Dur uh, uh, you know Durwood. Uh, uh, Darren, you know, was an ass. <laughs> okay. Um, right. And, and as we've said before, is that you know, there's nothing to say that you can't have all these different things happening at the same time. It's just up to you whether you want to have just you know have them be singular or whether you want to mix them or you want to say, well, this type of mage has this way of casting their spells, while this type of mage has a different way of casting spells. Obviously, if you're going to have sorcerers from the like the D and D sorcerers in your game as well as wizards they're not using the same methodologies of casting spells yeah i mean your very first point there the somatic if you remember them somatic <sighs> as i put it traditional component uh component movement work. yeah so it's somatic it's verbal and it's material. material there you go yeah but yeah, and you know, basically, you have to have both hands free. You gotta be able to speak, and you need your little your ditty bag of, of spell components to to cast a spell. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that's the traditional D and D thing where you have to have all three, and if you're lacking any of them, uh, if you're being held, if you're uh, if you don't have that uh, that that uh, blob of uh, baboon sweat, uh, if you don't if you if you know, you, you someone just gave you a cracker with peanut butter on it. Uh, you can't cast the spell, and uh, that's that's the first one. The traditional components uh, now, uh, and 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 there's and that's all about limiting um, the mage. It's it's actually about it's about nerfing the mage. I mean, it, it's. And if you, if you have if you're giving your mages really powerful things to do, uh, so much so that they really are overwhelming the rest of the group, then you might want to do that. I mean, just from a sense of game balance, because if you have somebody who can, by their spell, take out twenty or thirty opponents, 
while everybody else is limited to just one person at a time, and it may take them a couple of rounds to do it, well, who's not going to want to be that mate? Yeah. It also means that if you're a smart GM, that's he's also known as pincushion. That's what all your archers aim for. The guy in the background moving his hands around going, somna, 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 you know. If it's that obvious. <laughs> it is that yeah. obvious. No, it is always that obvious. I, I don't think He's so. the only person not wearing armor. In traditional he, in, in traditional D&D, he, he could not wear armor. Uh, you are incorrect, sir. If I was an elven mage, I uh, fighter mage, I could be wearing plate mail. First edition. I think, and I think you could wear leather, but you couldn't wear any metal. Uh, you're wrong. Hmm. You're right. Yeah, yeah. If you if you if you multi-classed, you're right. You could be a fighter mage. Yeah. And you could cast spells while wearing plate mail. Yep, and use a sword. She had to be an elf. Had to be an elf. Yeah, in original, yeah. But in, in, in AD&D, I think they actually brought it out so you didn't have to be an elf. That Well, in AD&D, there was, I, I think that in order to be, a, uh, especially to be a fighter mage thief, you could only be an elf to do that. Um, but there were, but, but there were other ones like, for example, um, a, a cleric fighter. There were lots of people who could do that. Um, and, but anyways, again, that's all a game balance kind of thing. There's really nothing that, you know, or maybe they're going back to their source material, uh, which is not Tolkien. Uh, it's actually a lot of the other stuff, but, um, you know, like Jack Vance, um, uh, Shea, um, and of course, uh, Conan. Uh, but anyways, the point is that I, I think these things are primarily there. Well, first of all, it's, it's there for style. I mean, be, you know, you, you imagine mages casting spells and using components and, and witches boil, world, you know, toil and trouble. I mean, that's, that's all part of the mystique of the mage, you know, and, and, and having all kinds of bizarre, weird components in their pockets and such. It's, it's, Kind of that, but mostly I think it's used as a game mechanic to limit the mage so he doesn't overwhelm everybody in sight. Um, but uh, and, and it drives them out to go and find those components, by the way. <laughs> but at lower levels in the game, that it becomes, okay, I cast my magic missile and I'm done for the rest of the day. All right. <laughs> yeah, and literally, you're done for the rest of the day once you cast that one. Well, as far as casting magic, you yeah, are. Yeah, I can do other things. Okay. I can take my dagger you can and... do lots of other things. I can take my dagger and do D4 damage. Flaming oil, sir. It, it, flaming oil, oil, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1D6 damage the first round, 2D6 damage the second round. You're getting 3D6 damage in two rounds. That's better than a broadsword. Yeah. What's my throwing skill? What's my throwing ability? I think I, that's depending on my dexterity, if I remember correctly. That's right. And most and most mages had excellent dexterities because they had terrible armor classes. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you can, you can make do. You know, Just make sure you, you lob it over the front line and not throw it through the front line. The, there, <laughs> you know, there's problems. Yep. Problems with that. Yep. Oh yeah, that was that was all part yeah. of it. But anyways, um, okay. So there, that's the classic. You know, you've got the co uh, component movement word. Okay. Um, but the um, okay, and then there's the uh, second one, which is you just have words of power. You shall not pass. Those are words of power. <laughs> or you know, if you're looking at um, oh. Uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu, they're always 
saying these words in I don't know what their language is, and it's like and you see them just back, you know, being knocked back by the, the you know, and the monsters were repelled or whatever. And of course, the clerics, you know, they say things like, "By the you know, the power of Christ compels you." That's obviously words of power. <laughs> so, right, right. I can't. I I, I don't want to hurt my throat with trying to say anything. You know, <laughs> anything Catholic. Catholician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that's fine because I know a lot of people don't like, um, you know the having to do the gestures and having to do the components. They're like, seriously, you know, I, I can't just go in and say, you know, the words themselves, the, the sounds that I say, they can't be full of mystic purpose. And that shouldn't, isn't that enough? You know, and, you know, there were, there's lots of, lots of books, lots of stories where that's really it, is, is that you look, you cast a spell by saying the magic words. Okay, Crucio, okay. Uh, which, Exactly, yeah, and 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 a, and a wave of a wand, but, st but even so, you know, there were lots of times where it didn't seem like they even needed that. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the same thing with the, with, with I, we were talking with Terry Pratchett, and you know, the wizards in the Unseen Ac Academy discovered that you can summon death with a little bit of cheese, some some dirt, and and a, and a shaving or something like that. You know, basically, the higher level mages have figured out how to do things real easy, and I can imagine some of them probably just could just be say death come here and not have to do anything at all to bring him to have him show up so yeah uh, yeah it, 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 it's a case where you can still have words of power and yet still also have the the other bits too you know where basically you're such a high level maze you don't care about the minus <laughs> you just do it right well well okay so and the third one is just do it, where you just simply evoke, evoke the power. You basically form the purpose in your mind. You you twist your mind around the you know what's necessary to alter the reality, and it just comes out. In the Lord of the Rings, um, you know when they were fighting with their staves, that's basically what they were doing. They weren't saying anything. They were just you know evoking it out through their 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 uh, their staves. You know, some of them needed it, some of them didn't need a stave, but the point was is that they weren't really casting spells. Now, they might have been cast, saying some words, okay, and maybe those were important, or maybe that was just to help them, you know, wrap their minds around what they were trying to do or make it more effective. It's hard to say, but it's, it's if you say that all you need to do is just do it, you know, make the roll, evoke the spell, then... That means that you know there's there's some huge advantages there. You don't you know you can be blind and cast spells. You can you can be tied up and cast spells. You can be locked to locked in a chamber and you go okay yeah and just think for a second. Then the guard walks down. I should be giving you this key to open the door. Yes, you should. <laughs> you could be underwater, chained you know chained in a in a burlap bag underwater. And you cast a fly spell, okay? I mean, or more importantly, probably an air breathing spell. Yeah, I'm very reminded of Skeev from uh, Myth Conceptions by Robert Asprin, where basically that's how his that's how magic. It was more depending on who. Uh, if you went by the, by the the comic books that were drawn for it, it was more like with psionics, but there was uh, there was true magic being done. But basically, 
people did spells when they had to, but for a lot of times it was basically you, you visualize what you want and you did it. <laughs> right. Right. And that's what just do it means. Okay. Right. Now, um, now games like TriTac and other games sometimes allowed you to do that la- just do it, but at a great minus. So you could neglect, you know, having components or you could neglect, you know, having um, uh, gestures or even only a simple gesture rather than the full casting of it. Okay, you could have the time or even snap use where you literally a spell that should take an hour to cast. You just evoke in a second, you know, uh, that they all had big minuses on your chances of success. But the point was, is that if you had the points, you yeah, it was a, it'd be a minus sixty to your to your use. So you had to be good to do this. You had to have a high high level, high, lots of skill and lots of MCD to do this. And but the nice thing was that you had that option. Now, lots of game systems, you you don't get a choice. It's either one, two, or three, and that's just the way it is. You know, there's no variance there. The TriTech at least gave you the option of saying, well, if you can't. If if you don't have if you're tied up, then it's going to be harder to cast this. Well, but you can still do it, um, and that was I like that part of it for people who are coming out of D and D. That was a breath of fresh air. Now in three O and later versions of D and D, they started creating meta magic feats where you could say, well, I'm going to make this spell silent, or I'm going to make this spell quick. And that would allow you know allow you to cast a spell before anybody else could cast it, or even cast more than one spell in a round, uh, or cast without having you know in 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 an area of silence. I mean, you could decide what you want to do, and it would require that you cast it. Basically, you take you know cast it as a higher level spell. So uh, a first level spell might become a fifth level spell if you added up enough of these kinds of things. Uh, these meta magic feats or these changes you're making to your spell, but they also gave you the ability to do that as well. Oh, my bureau team! I have two telepaths, which is totally, totally different thing altogether. But I decided, you know, I'm going to give these guys, give these two, a special benefit. They can always talk to each other through telepathy. You know, they didn't have to make a roll. They're always connected. They can always have a conversation with each other, no matter where they are. And you can do the same thing in that. You know, in any game system, you can always say, you know what, this one spell you got, you can always do it. Don't don't worry about rolling it. You as a GM can say that 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 cantrip of lighting fires. Yeah, don't even bother rolling. Just you know, do the do the do the do the thumb motion, and you can start light a fire in your thumb and touch it to where you need to go. Boof. You want to do anything else? You're gonna to have to ca- you're gonna to have to cast a spell, but if you just want to put a fire under your thumb. You can do that with no problem. So, you, so there is some GM fiat there, allowing you to do really simple things or certain things that make sense with the characters. Well, again, you can mix these things too if you want to. You you can as they because as I say D and D has gotten a lot more complex over the years. They've got these meta magic feats. They've got spell mastery. You know, there's there's a bunch of stuff. You know, you, they've they've even you know got in uh, innate abilities where you know, like say the dark elves could just cast spells without them ever having to learn them. You know, they just they just do it. <laughs> well, no, I think they learned they learned it. Basically, they got a, a spell mastery as a result of their culture. Everybody knew how to do the create darkness because if you didn't, then you'd end up being coming weak as a kitten if you went up on the surface. 
Okay, so I'm looking at number D. Yeah, D was uh, was where you're saying, okay, well then, how do you cast spells out of items? Hmm. I think in D and D, you have to uh, you one, you have to get has someone exam you have to have someone who examine the spell, figure out what the word of command is. And then this is old D and D. And then once you knew what the word command was, then you can use the item. Right. So you you basically well you had to know what it was, what it what it what the thing did. Okay. And then you had to know the command word so you could direct the effect. Okay. And so they they and so in almost all cases, um, uh, magic items re- uh, required a, a word, basically a phrase. That would cause them to happen. Uh, the only other c- cases was where they were use activated. So if you put on um, a a cloak of flying, then by putting on the cloak of flying, it basically you would start flying. Okay, or boots of flying. And I think there's a necklace of fireballs, and you work by simply gra- reaching up, grabbing one, yanking it off, and throwing it. <laughs> right. And it literally, you had a fireball in your hand, and you would throw it. Um, but most, in most cases, you know, uh, so there were there were things where you had to, to fulfill certain requirements. So, for example, I don't think that uh, you could uh, pull off Quam's feather token, uh, uh, and assuming it was the, the little boat, if you took that off and threw it down on the ground, and there wasn't any water. I don't think it actually turned into a boat. It just stayed the little the little token. You actually had to have a, a water there for it to appear in, and enough water for it to appear in too. I remember correctly. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times magic items had requirements, just like you could say the spells had requirements. You can't cast uh, a fireball, for example, in a vacuum. Uh, some you know, or you couldn't cast it underwater. Okay, there there were requirements a lot of times. Environmental saying you can't cast a spell unless your um, you know the the conditions are at least somewhat favorable for the for the appearance of it. You know, and I like I like the way you wrote it because are the stars right? Because that means there there are some spells which yeah you know it doesn't matter. I know the spell. I can't do it. Why? See where Cirrus is and see where the moon is and see where Mars is? Nope, can't do it right now. I got to wait till Mars is over there and the moon is full and Cirrus is right there. Then I can cast a spell. I mean, there are require there are requirements outside of as you just said, you know, tr- uh component movement word. I mean, it may, you know, there could be all kinds of triggers. There could be triggers of age, there could be triggers of location, geography, it could be triggers of time and star alignments and uh, especially seasons. Well, you know, it doesn't do you any good to cast a growth spell in the middle of the winter. No, and and sometimes these spells which are yeah, much like it, they're 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 the um, game ending spell. This is the the quest ending spell. So this is so you basically you you gotta get yourself to that point to where you can be in the right space at the right time, with the right conditions before you can take the scroll out and use that spell. So there so there there are requirements beyond the uh, traditional component movement word, even you know and 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 or not. See, that's the same. It depends on how you want your spell, your system to be. Because in D&D, that doesn't exist. I mean, you know, you, 
uh, other than a few cases where you've got a magic item where certain things have to be true before you could use it. Or get rid of it. I mean, I'm thinking of the one ring. I mean, if you think about it, to destroy the ring, you have to put where it, was, where it came from. <laughs> and that more or less is a magic spell, if you think about it. I'm, doing, I'm undoing the spell, which takes some really strong magic. And hey, that's Mount Doom. There's some really strong magic there. <laughs> Yeah, it's not even that. It's the forge. It's where it was made. A good example is titanium. Okay, I mean you could throw it into a normal forge, and titanium just says, "Yeah, well, I'm hot now." So, okay, it takes a level of heat that's beyond normal uh, smelting. I mean, you can aluminum. Aluminum will just melt and roll and, and blob away at temperatures half of what it takes to do titanium. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I, I've seen like YouTube videos on how to do small amounts of forging with titanium, and it isn't easy. It's, I think the best way of doing it is probably in an induction forge. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kelly Johnson had to learn, had to develop an entire titanium machining facility when they built the SR seventy one Blackbird, because there was we we had we no one ever dealt with it in anything larger than a screw before then. <laughs> yeah, and you're know, talking, and yeah, and it could be that you're dealing, and this is something like we're talking about like uh, industrial magic, you know, more like okay, this is this is magic that. You know, okay, because we're, we're, everyone, everyone's concerned with, you know, okay, I'm going to light a fire to this stuff. Okay, but where's the municipal magic? The magic that turns sewer water into fresh water. You know, that's a giant purify water spell, you know, to do that. And, you know, that's a, that's a whole level of enchantment and maintaining mana levels and crap like that. Uh, that sounds like it falls under this, under this area, which is, you know, you have to have everything set up just right so that you can, you know, turn that sewer water into fresh water and keep your city from from dying of dehydration, cholera, and anything else that floats in the water at that point. Right, but you see, in the case of enchanted items like what you're talking about, you don't want them go running constantly when they don't need to be. I mean, if there's a limited amount of, of, of mana magic in an area and you have this thing kicking off for no good reason, all of a sudden there's no magic left for anybody to do anything else. I mean, you could, you could literally suck all the energy out of that ley line by this thing trying to distill water when, you know, trying to clean water that's already clean. So you, you, you definitely want your enchanted item to have triggers like there's, some, there's a blob of poop in this water. Now it's time to clean it. But otherwise, don't, don't be messing with it. Uh, and so th and that's, that's where you set up processes, as you say, as we've talked about enchanting, which is you, usually when you say enchanting, you're talking about taking a spell and having it set up to operate semi-autonomously you know, under certain conditions. But municipal magic is something that would 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 be a result of yeah, having magic users. Yeah, we, we're going to make the water. We'll make your water clean. You know, we'll just divert you know thousand gallons, clean it, and you know, and there you go. You know, just don't do it every day. Do it like you know, twice a week, and you'll should have plenty of water. You know, because <laughs> this thing eats man like eats man like a like a like a like a guy with a hollow leg. Uh, all you can eat, um, uh, all you can eat buffet. <laughs> 
Well, you know, the simplest way of doing it is you've got a big vessel, you know, a big cistern, okay? And over time, the waste, you know, the wastewater fills up. It gets to a certain level. The spell goes off, bing! And at the same time that that happens, okay, that causes, you know, something to open up the cistern and the clean water decants off into a clean water cistern, closes back up again, and then refills. Okay, so that's all part of the magic that you'd want and the conditions you'd want it to go under. The condition for opening the valve to decant the water would have to, of course, be that the cleaning spell went off because you wouldn't want it to do it otherwise. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, that, so I'm, I'm saying is that spells might require, as we, we talked about, certain conditions that are not just normal, you know, classic, you know, D&D hand-waving. You know uh, things to do, and you wouldn't want it to. Most trap spells are like that. Certain conditions have to be there for this spell to go off. So uh, the the other thing is, is complicated about this is that you know there's obviously some spell casting that goes into setting up the potential for the spell to go off. So you know it could be that you're you know that spells can be can be. Um, suspended at some point, you know, during the casting and just hang there until they go off. And that's, uh, uh, that's something we didn't actually talk about. It's actually still part under D, which is that, you know, and there, I don't know of any spell system out there that basically says that when you get up in the morning, you go and cast 15 spells, but they're all basically suspended. Okay, and then you just basically have a final word to complete them, and that's when they go off during the rest of the day. But you could have a spell system that did that. Yeah, delayed spells. You're sitting, you're sitting at your book, reading through it. Oh, I need, I need one of those. Hamana, hamana, hamana. Bing. Okay, it's ready to go. And you know, and, and you go through that. I'm also thinking that's a variation of scrolls too, because scrolls are along that line. They they do take time to read. Basically, yeah, you basically crystallize magic on a scroll, right? And they also similar in that, in that, you know, in in the way that most spells are described, in order to write the scroll, you basically have to commit the magic to it. So just what I'm talking about, suspending the spell, it's hanging there, ready to go off, but you can't get it back. You can't divert it to another spell. You can't, you know, you've already committed to that spell uh, at the end of the day, or. Either it goes away or just hangs there until you need it. You literally have this spell hanging there for 20 years, maybe, because you committed to it. And you're just waiting for the, the final word to be evoked to, to make that happen. If you did that, then that would, uh, that would be interesting because you could have some people walking around with a buku amount of magic hanging suspended around them because anytime that they weren't doing something, they said, well, let me, I might need another knock. So let's go ahead and get that one in, in going. And so that's another piece of magic that's hanging around you. That person would be really upset if they ran into some anti-magic area, you know, like in Frisbury, they left their world, they went somewhere else and all of a sudden all their magic, all their suspended magic just fizzled out literally years worth of uh, uh, applied magic that they had been they they'd been suspending and keeping for the day that they really needed it and it just goes away you know or a high powered dispel dispel spell would do the same thing 
I wonder, could, could you chain spells then? Could you, you know, I got, you know, I cast you know, over, over a period of the month, I cast X number of magic missiles, but I chained them together. So all you need to do is fire off the first one. <laughs> and now I have a mach- magic machine gun at that point. If it was something simple, like a, a small phrase, then you could go and say something like fire, 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 you know, like something like, like that, but in in some magical language. And so you're able to say the command word like 10 times in a row, and it's still the same round, and 10 of them go off. So if you were to chain them together, otherwise it sounds like something you'd have to do when you first set them up. Or maybe there's a another spell that you can cast that allows you to web them, you know, like, say, triggers, trigger spells that you use to trigger these these things to go off you say that that again falls into the kind of enchantment kind of thing where you're not in encha- you're not enchanting an item you're basically enchanting the matrix of magical energy you have in suspension around yeah. you of course i would always as a as a as an evil gm add in the, the caveat that okay now you have all this magic floating around you there are some things out there that can well release that magic and maybe not in a good way you know <laughs> yeah or there could be there could be some things around there that can see all that magic, and all of a sudden you get all kinds of attention. You know, as you said, maybe if they can drain it, if there's some 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 uh, uh, power that can drain it, that they would they would be grabbing you know the mage and dragging him off and draining them down to use that magic for your own purposes. So. Yeah, the first thing the first thing they put a gag on you so you can't say your magic word and, and release all that magic. You know, that's why if you're a smart mage, you have at least one as a gesture. You know, uh, I'm not sure what kind of gesture you want to use because then you have to be very careful. Okay, what gestures do I want to u- use for this one spell? Because if I do, if I... Learn to wiggle your ears. It's got to be something that you can do that isn't a normal thing, you know. Anything with your hands is right out. Right, you know. So if you can, like, you know, wiggle your nose or if you can cluck your tongue or, you know, uh, you crack your knuckles, you know, and, and you're not the kind of person who does that all the time, then, yeah, you might have something like that, but... Uh, yeah, but those are all, like I say, these these are basically, it's all D, enchanted items, enchanted matrix, whatever, with triggers. That's the other way of casting spells, because you basically take it, put it into some kind of suspension, and then have some way of triggering it off. Yeah, and so it basically it's a subset of the other three, basically. Yeah, so like I said, you spend, you spend a week casting the thing about magic missiles, so when you go into the dungeon, it's like, ooh, and you fire off a magic missile, you ooh, fire off another one over there, because you may only know one spell, but my God, you have enough of them for this, for this dungeon you're in right now. <laughs> right, well, and... and if you did do that, then of course there wouldn't be any reason why you couldn't create spells that were very long in casting. Because essentially once you got done, then you could put it in suspension and then use it with a quick trigger after that. Yeah, unless the GM says, oh no, this spell affects a person. You need to have the person there. So that, you know, they can simply say, you know, anything that, you know, any healing spell. Because yeah, there, there are some healing spells that take, I'm looking in Triotech right now, there's some healing spells that take uh, a day or two. And they may say, no, you can't delay cast that. You have to be there with the person for 24 hours to do this spell. 
Sorry. That's that's what that's well, that's 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 basically a designer GM fee out there. It's up to you know what how you decide to work that out. You know, that's true. Yeah, I mean, also you run into the situation that's uh, time to cast. But then again, all you need then is a, a one of healing. And how long does it take to do it? Bang, it's done. So yeah, you always you know yes, you have these spells that take forever to do. But then you get a wand of healing, and the wand of healing goes bing, and you're healed. <laughs> Why? What did I spend? Okay, so the advantage here is that you might have a spell that might take a lot of components, a lot of time, a lot of whatever normally, but you're able to put it into a form that allows you to cast it a quickly and secondly under adverse conditions. Yeah, you you learn that you know one of the first things you learn to do is how to make your own scrolls, so that you know, I think that was third level you could do scrolls and you make you could start making scrolls, so yeah once you survive to third level you can start making scrolls and therefore you you know but they take time and the players are going so we're having a month downtime where you make two scrolls yeah, but that means I have two spells I get two more spells than I normally would. <laughs> Right, or you could have a a staff that for every level the staff was, there would be a spell that it could snap cast out of it with no minuses. Oh, it sounds like we're into point six focuses. <laughs> well, not quite yet. Not quite yet. I'm no. just saying, but oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We we didn't actually talk about some of those things about what the disadvantages was. Like for example, you know, words of power. You know, all, I mean, obviously the disadvantage we, we talked about of, of a traditional components movement word. You know, if any of those things get screwed you know, up, then the spell could basically be miscast. All right. Same thing with words of power. When you get to just do it, uh, it seems like that would be like the perfect one because it'd be really hard to stop it. Right. Yeah. Or if you get really angry and you shout at somebody, and the GM says, "Mickey will roll." Why? So you don't yell the wrong thing <laughs> and cast a spell. <laughs> or you, yeah, you're you're literally if you're if it's if it's you evoking it by power of will. If you get mad enough, you could very easily cast a spell without meaning to. Yep. And the problem with with the triggers is that friendly fire. Well, not only that is that you got to keep the trigger secret, unless the trigger says I have to be present in order for this to happen, uh, or not even that is is if it's a, if the trigger is a special word or circumstance, then you know is you may not have control over when that spell effect goes off because someone else who's smart enough to realize how your you you cast your spells or how you do your your triggers or they've got a, 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 enough divination magic or or just magic skill in general that they can f- figure out how you that you've got these things in suspension they can use it for you they can grab you up as you say tie you up or whatever and just use you as a as an organic wand they just walk around and just say the command word bing the spell goes off because you've got it in suspension and you, you know, I'm also think that you know you're your typical you know evil wizard, and you got all these traps, trap chests with magical spells. Um, can you get into your own chest after you're trapping it? In some game systems, yes, because it's my spell. Other game systems, make a skill roll. And magic scrolls can be stolen. Matter, matter of fact, that's half of the game in D and D is stealing magic items off of the people who were using them. Who never actually well. Forget to use them. 
you know, unless you're unless you're a smart GM, then you realize that Orc is wearing plus plus five armor and he's carrying a glowing sword. He's number one target. Don't do, don't hurt that sword. <laughs> there might be lots of spells that a mage has that he doesn't have a current use for, but he's going to need it. You know, like water walking. Okay, that's a great spell to have if you you know uh, on a scroll and someone can come and steal it. They can come in through the middle of the night. They can take it off your cooling corpse. You know, you you can pay somebody to steal it for you because not all 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 lieutenants are uh, in in general are you know are are disloyal to a certain extent <laughs> because you know they're working for an evil dude. You know, if I was a paranoid evil e- evil mage, I would have the one scroll uh, the one scroll that I have marked by this little scratch mark, and it's a triggered by opening up to see what it is. Fireball. <laughs> well, yeah, lot, there's lots of traps you can put on scrolls. Uh, yeah, and that, and I think, and especially, and if it consumes the scroll when you do it, then that's even better because then the, they don't get it. Yeah, yeah, they grab all your scrolls and they're going, "What is this one? I don't know." Open this one up, and all of a sudden, kajush. Yeah, but that means that the mage has to cast the spell and set it up and all that stuff, and that's a lot of extra work. And so a lot of mages assume that they're too powerful, uh, that nobody's ever going to be able to steal their stuff until it happens. Read the evil or overlord list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the problem is, is that evil overlords are evil overlords. You know, the the guy that's on that list, he's not really evil. He's, you know, he's kind of like what they made Ming into in the TV series. He was just a kind of a middle manager who got testy every once in a while. There actually was a uh, podcast, um, um, basically the evil, the evil efficiency expert who wasn't a bad guy. He just simply advised evil, uh, evil people on how to make money. Usually says you, you know, this thing you made, you can actually sell it and make more money than you would by holding the city ransom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, there's another podcast that, that basically had evil overlords, uh, uh, basically uh, debating each other over the proper way of, uh, of of handling their minions and such. <coughs> so the one guy says, "Oh, they're all undead. I just sum them up, you, you know, use them as cannon fodder, you know, and then you know, make more, you know, whenever I need them. You know, I don't worry about stuff like you know, like you know, putting armor on them or things like morale or all those things and." And the other one's like, oh, no, no, we have matching costumes and we have badges and we have competitions and who has the best slogan? Oh, it's so much fun. You know, this is the other evil, you know, evil overlord. And he's he says, you you must it must be very sad. You know, you have this like dark tower. You sit in all by yourself and brood while you're. Your minions just moan forever down below, you know. I mean, and all it takes is one saint, and your and your army's gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, more more importantly than that is like there was no morale. So yeah, his his guys would never run, but they would never step up either. No, they would. Yeah, they would never. They would never go the extra mile because they had the same morale all the time. You know, they just they were so stupid. You know, there's no initiative. You know, you never get somebody. You never get a crack, you know, superior force of anything because, you know, a, a zombie was a zombie was a zombie. So 
Anyways, so it was fun to see this the them arguing with each other over this, and it was it was really hilarious. So yeah, um, but back to the uh, back to magic here. Um, people can steal your stuff and get basically steal your magic. Numbers, uh, just do it. Uh, that means that you have to be in absolute control all the time. And if you get drunk, you may not be able to cast your spells. If you get, you know, someone hits you on the head, you may forget how to cast spells. Okay. It just depends on how the system works. Yeah. yeah also, we, we ha haven't talked about getting the spells wrong. I mean, that is, you, you fail your role. Is it just, it doesn't go off, but you still spend the power? Or does it, some game systems, you, if it doesn't go off, you don't spend the power. Other ones, you spend the power. If you, if you make a critical failure, bad things happen at that point, you know, and it, and everyone has their own critical fail tables and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it all comes down to leaving a smoking crater at some point. <laughs> all right. Well, before we go on to the, to, to number six, let's, let's go back to number four and decide which one of these things do we like the best. So under number four was how do you acquire magic spells First was first choice was each spell is acquired separately and individually, and there's no dependency between any of the spells as far as getting it. Um, uh, it just falls into the game itself. Uh, B was you learn a class of spells. So in order to get you know um, uh, 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 heal bone, you also had to learn how to cure disease and all those other things like that. That was. That was, you basically got a whole class of spells, which meant that, yes, okay, you could do a whole bunch of things, but it also means you have to learn a whole bunch of things. It's a much bigger commitment. And then C, they're acquired in a hierarchy. So, uh, the, though the, this has might have the advantage that, that as you get more in the hierarchy, they build on each other and, 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 and can help boost it. But it also means that um, in order to get some spell you have to work your way through the intermediate intermediary spells uh to get to it uh which means that not everyone's going to have that spell easily that's the advantage is that you know that if it's really far down the tree that means there's not going to be very many people who committed to getting it unless of course it's a spell everybody wants and also, also, is it a single tree or is it a forest? And the forest has different problems over a single tree because with a forest, you may not be able to go to another tree. You may be stuck in the tree you're in. Right. But you also pretty much know that if they know that spell, that means they also know this, this, and this because there's a hierarchy. Yep. And if it's a spell, and the spell has multiple dependencies, they know all the dependencies as well. So, yeah, you, you, it goes down multiple branches. So, yeah. So, okay, so John, which of these three do you prefer? Actually, I like the uh, class of spells because, well, because that's more or less what I do in, in my fake games is that, uh, yeah, you more or less do, you, you pick your class and then you just do, you just do it at that point, you know. <laughs> so I'll go with, I'll go with, you learn a class of spells. <laughs> Um, I myself also prefer learning a class of spells because I think that that, um, that provides a lot more, um, it informs the player, you know, that, you know, you're making this big decision and this is, and you are assigned to be this kind of mage. And though you might be able to take other classes of spells, um, I would discourage that just because, 
uh, it, it's you know if you get you're giving them all these spells to do, so it should be something that you know uh, unless it's you know as long as this the the, the sp- class of spell is broad enough, then this should give them really lots lots and lots of stuff to concentrate on, and and though and I think they'll be happy with that. Now I know that there's always going to be somebody who says, well I want this or I want that. Why can't I get this extra? That's where you go and get a magic item. You say, all right, you know, you you're you're a geomancy, but it doesn't mean that you can't get you know like a ring of you know shooting stars or something like that. You know, just that's uh, that that's how you get around that. You know, or if you want to start fires, here, here you go. Here's here's this magic item. It's called Zippo. And yeah, uh... <laughs> well, there's that too. There's that too. If you're playing a game which isn't quite so rigorously um, uh, classic, you know, uh, sword sorcery. Then technology can make up for a lot of things. No, I'm talking the magic Zippo lighter that always lights, no matter what. It lights in the middle of a hurricane. Okay, okay, all right. But but see, you know, what, one of the things, you know, the reasons that you know uh, you don't have the problem that they have in AD and D is because if you play a modern game, the spells, unless they're really really powerful, there there's a um, there's a mundane effect that basically does the same thing. I mean, you know, you you I could cast a fireball and it does, you know, 8d8 damage. Yeah, well, I fired this shoulder launch missile, it does 8d8 damage too. And I don't have to spend, you know, how many years studying magic in order to be able to use it. I learned it on a weekend. Yeah, I I, t- I took a class and got myself an RPG for this RPG. But anyway, <laughs> modern mixing of, of, of genres, you know, a, a lot of times this, this kind of thing goes away and let, uh, unless you really boost the power. So now instead of casting fireballs, they cast volcano. It's not worth casting a spell unless I get a volcano. Well, unless you go with, unless you go with that weird little thing that happened in AD and D, which was it had the, the, the area effect was feet in dungeons. It was yards on the surface. It literally had two different had two different area effects, and it was like it, same number, but just it was. I look and said, "Okay, uh, that's a, that's bigger than a football field." Yeah, that was actually a misprint, John. It wasn't. It it was actually supposed to be the same area of effect inside or outside. The range was what was supposed to change. The idea being that trying to target something through a torturous thing like a dungeon was hard and so the, you it was being limited that way but yeah they came out later and a lot of ad and they said no 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 it's not like that oh well uh just still the, the the vision of my face so here's your battle line of orcs all of a sudden whoosh 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 like you know a little nuclear fireballs going up in the air <laughs> as, you, as you nuke the front line <laughs> yeah that was that was kind of a misprint they they, they it, it wasn't actually a misprint it was just kind of like people just didn't understand because they the, the game books you know they net people these guys if you've actually read um playing at the uh, uh, i'm sorry it's i can't remember the name of the book that's all about the uh, history of dungeons and dragons um but it's uh, it's called playing at the something. But uh, the point was is that they they had put together some you know combat between ships and things like that. When they decided to do Dungeons and Dragons, it was a whole different ball of wax. And so they were really uh, struggling. I mean, they literally were 
inventing out a whole cloth, something that had never existed before. And I'm sure in those early, you know, those early books were, <laughs> you know, they, they, there was a lot of errata. Even or even the more professionally printed books later on, they still had the same same they had the same issue. And you know the thing is, uh, you look at this very professionally, yeah. But the guy wrote it on a typewriter, and you're looking at a page of manuscript, and you realize, oh, I put yards down instead of feet. That means I have to retype the entire page. Yeah, here you go. It's ready to go, and <laughs> we'll get it later. You know, because yeah, literally you'd have to retype the entire freaking page because yards is not is is bigger than feet in terms of the font in terms of characters. All right, so you know, so we both agree that that the class of spells we like that better. You know, I have to say uh, the choices. You know, I I do like that. Um, however, you know, you say the 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 disadvantages is that unless you know um, the, any of the advantages that you have to the other ones, you're going to lose out because uh, it, it it if you think about where I get a class of spells, that means now I unless you have to go find the spells inside the class like you would in type A where you know where each spell is acquired in, separately, you're getting a huge mass of information. So. It's a lot more of a commitment, uh, and, um, and and that's going to inform your game. If you want people to be people who just run around picking things up as they go, then you probably don't want to use that. And depending on the system, uh, they either could be this individual subspells, like is I thought you could you could pair things together and try tech. No, you can't. But they could either be individual subspells, or they could be linked together, which makes it even more difficult to figure out the actual effect of a spell. You know the sub spells. Yeah, you know, you can maybe chain two spells together and get a different effect. But you know, that's 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 that would be a different system. That's almost the uh, hierarchy thing, but not quite. You still can do the. You can still do every spell. Linking them together is something special. All right. So then number five, which was how spells are cast. Our choices were traditional component movement word, just words of power, just do it, and then the last one, which was. Um, they, they, they basically, um, you, you, they're, they're basically, you create a matrix that has a trigger. Okay. Um, so which one do you prefer? I'm sort of torn between either just the words of power or just do it because that's kind of how I run. I like running my games. I'll throw in words of power. I'll choose just words of power though. Under, with the understanding that, yeah, sometimes I also go old school as well. And yeah, you need you need that ball of tar with the pitch a pitch of tar with saltpeter mixed into it for fireballs. But anyway, you know, I, I'd go with the words of power because, yeah, carrying a duty bag full of, of junk around doesn't you just twirl my thing unless it's for very special spells. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I kind of like the, um, the enchanted items with triggers, the idea that you create a matrix because, um, you know, maybe I'm old school. I don't know. I just like the, all the trappings that go along with the, the full traditional component movement word thing. Um, but because that's how spells should be cast, but, uh, at the same time, it's really inconvenient, in a lot of situations, and this gives you the ability to do that. 
The um, now the way the tri tag does it is they they basically go with number A, but then they say yeah, but you can drop off these things all the way down to the just do it, but at a big minus. So you know, and we I've done it that way too. But usually I find that people it's so much of a minus that people try to not do that and they go with the whole traditional component movement word. So um, the number D advantages is that you can go through all that ex- all that steps all those long castings or whatever but then you don't have to uh, wait to when it, when you actually need it you can just snap it off it's it's there ready waiting to go it's a, it's basically like you uh, putting a you know a bullet in a gun or whatever it's you you know, it, it requires preparation but it doesn't penalize you when you're in, when the chips are down because you have this ready, okay. Um, and some and sometimes you know those things are like cast into a a, a wand or they're ca- cast into a staff and that kind of falls along with a lot of the, the the historical things too. You still have to do the work of casting those spells into the thing that you're going to use it with, but um, but at the same time is that you don't. When it when it comes time to actually use it, you don't have to be burdened with, you know, trying to do silly, stupid things like, you know, uh, li- you know, lighting up tapers in the middle of a combat. Yeah, or or sitting there going, just a second, I gotta get this circle just right. You know, don't step on the circle. You know, don't scuff the, scuff the chalk while I'm drawing this circle. You know. <laughs> right now, if you're trying to trap a monster inside the circle, that actually makes sense to do that. But trying to do that while you know while you're trying to cast a spell in the middle, whatever you know, that's in anime. You see them like drawing it in the air. You know, the line you're creating the those magic circles, and then they. And then they do something like they throw, they push the circle at somebody, and it wraps around them and does stuff. I can't remember who who it was. I saw this. Some guy. It was probably another anime. He, he needed a spell, so he took his staff and just drew a circle, did a couple of little little quick hacks, and then he did it. You know, he just drew it in the dirt. Didn't care. He just needed a circle. <laughs> All right, well then, thanks everybody for sticking with us. We got two more of our questions knocked out. How do you acquire magic spells and how are spells cast? Uh, We got bunches more to go, so we hope that you're enjoying this. And uh, we haven't, I haven't seen any uh, uh, postings about this. So I'm sure somebody out there has the perfect magic system in their mind already developed. So uh, feel free to share your uh, wisdom with us or decry the stupidity of the things that we like we'll we'll take it either way in any case we will be doing more of this in the future along with the other topics of the tritech uh games podcast and we'll have more for you next week but until then this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them this is john ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in see what's coming next and this is trav there's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun yo brothers this was the tri-tech games podcast you know the drill it's protected under the creative commons license 3.0 no commercial reproduction no derivatives and sucker you best attribute this to the folks at tri-tech games and if you don't We'll be having your story, buds.
because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.